0: Today's episode brought to you by Willoughby's Shoe Repair Shop. Swing on by Willoughby's in downtown Vancouver, Washington, for that old town with an E feel. At Willoughby's, we're focused on your shoes, your needs, and your feet. For an extra 10% off your next shoe cobbling, allow our staff to photograph your feet for our next catalog. What could a cobbler need a catalog for? Mind your own business, Willoughby's. We do feet. Hello, and welcome to Horror Movie Talk, an opinionated and accidentally funny horror movie review show. Your schlubby hosts each week are Bryce Hansen, the cool collected nihilist, and David Day, a sexy guy who's always hashtag blessed. New theatrical releases always get priority, but we also review older horror movies, both good and horrible. I'm David Day. I'm Bryce Hansen and at the top of the episode we're going to plug our website horrormovietalk.com and uh you should check us out on there cuz we got a uh a new guy writing blogs for us that are pretty interesting. His name is Keith. You should uh you should hit up his uh you should read his uh, his latest one about uh zombies fast versus slow, which are scarier. And hit us up on social media, Twitter, Facebook, that kind of stuff. Take Also, if you don't mind, if you're uh, uh, someone who wants to help us out, take our listener survey, um, and because it'll help us learn more about you, no matter how long you've been a listener or how frequently you listen to this show. So please just take a few minutes, visit our website at horrormovietalk.com, and you'll find the listener survey link right on the main uh, navigation bar along the top. Also, if you're within an episode blog or anything like that, it's on the right-hand side. So yeah, complete a survey anonymously, and thank you ahead of time, and thank you to those who've already completed it. We really appreciate it. We post new podcast episodes every Wednesday, so go ahead and subscribe and leave a review on the podcast streamer of your choice, iTunes, Stitcher, all that good stuff. Today, we're going to be talking about The Killing of a Sacred Deer, which was a pretty interesting movie, I thought yeah yeah uh we'll start out by giving a brief review and our score for the movie we score on a scale of one to ten one being a miserable bad movie five being a totally average movie um not five is not a bad score it's just an average score and ten being a great movie that kind of transcends the bounds of just being a horror movie and is the best Later in the episode, we're going to get into spoilers and take a deeper dive into what we liked and hated about the film. Later in the episodes, we'll be doing two bits. We got taglines, which is uh, pretty much a, just about every episode we do, do taglines. seems like you can't escape taglines. Taglines is a staple. the easiest one to write for. Right. And then we'll also be doing Name That Clip, which is transitioning in name to their clips for... Reasons that will that you'll find out later. (laughs) So thanks again for listening, and let's get into the show. So as I said before, we streamed the killing of a sacred deer. Uh, I streamed it on Amazon. Is that where you Mm -hmm. you watched it? Yeah, Yeah. it's free on the uh, Amazon Prime. On the
1: Prime sub, so not technically free, but (coughs) if you don't have Amazon Prime,
0: like, where what time frame do you live in? Yeah, no kidding. Like it's sweet, man. Especially especially if you got kids. Or yeah. or if you like, if you don't like having to shop for like toilet paper at the store because you fear you, you live in fear <laughs> that people know you poop. I think I finally arrived when I started ordering kitty litter. I'm
1: like, wow, I'm making some poor schmuck schlep my forty
0: pound kitty litter to my door. God damn, that's insane! What a life. They they deliver. <laughs> yeah. They do free shipping on kitty litter. Yeah, that's like free shipping on bricks. Yeah. <laughs> It's It's awesome. It's the same. It's the same substance. Yeah. It's
1: basically the the one consistent thing that I order is kitty litter. Okay. I'm sure that loses Amazon money. That's got to cost a fortune to ship. It's interesting.
0: It's interesting because all the things that I I uh, purchase frequently on Amazon are also poop related. So it's like uh, (laughs) Metamucil, (laughs) toilet paper. I don't really order to- toilet paper. That, that, that would be foolish of me because Costco is much cheaper. So back to The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Come to Horror Movie Review for all your shopping recommendations. Hot shit talk. So back to The Killing of a Sacred Deer. This movie was artsy, cold and clinical, and touched on a pretty disturbing theme that I think a lot of people will find difficult to deal with. The subject matter is this. This is subject matter that we've discussed on a few other movies that we've reviewed as being deeply disturbing. Which is when kids are involved and things start getting really intense into the like family choices sort of scenarios. So, uh, so without further ado, here's the here's the trailer. Good afternoon. You must be Martin. That's right. These flowers are for you. Thank you very much, Martin. I love roses. The kids' rooms are amazing, so big and bright. I love this neighborhood, so quiet, clean, beautiful. Where do you live, Martin? We live in a not-so-nice neighborhood, in a not-so-nice house. What a charming boy. How did his father die? A surgeon never
1: kills a patient. An anesthesiologist can kill a patient, but a surgeon never can.
0: We, we don't have to worry about nothing, because we got the fire. And we're burning one hell of a something They They're gonna see us from outer space yeah, I'm really sorry outer about Bob It's serious No it is Like we the stars of the human race Human race Where did you two go? When the
1: lights started out They don't know what they heard Strike the match, it loud Gave it got hard. issues. Serious psychological
0: issues. Can you do something to put an end to all of this? Don't be scared, Mom. You'll see. You won't be able to move either. To get used to. It. Where is she? What did you do to her? And I don't understand why I should have to pay the price. Why my children should have to pay the price? Man, open the door! I will smash it down! The only thing I can think of as close to
1: So they can put it out,
0: Spoopy. Yeah, so as I said before, uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer can be found on Amazon Prime. I can't find it streaming anywhere else except for Google Play and probably on the iStore. Of note, uh, we did apply for an Amazon Associates... Uh, uh, partnership. So, um, if you do shop for stuff through Prime,
1: soon you'll be able to click through our site, right? Which will which will
0: help to support the podcast at no extra monetary cost to you. And you so, can bookmark the link. Yeah, definitely bookmark that link yeah. once it hits. You know, assuming it hits, assuming we don't get rejected. <laughs> I like the idea of Amazon being like, no, no more makes, money. Yeah. thanks. So uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer is, as far as I can tell, a modern-day retelling or rendition of um, the Greek tragedy of Agamemnon and Iphigenia. Uh, Agamemnon is Iphigenia's father, and uh, he accidentally kills a sacred deer and ends up offending the gods because of it. The goddess Artemis demands that he pays for the killing with the blood of his own family as payment. In what is called blood for blood. The interesting thing about this movie is that it takes a Greek myth, the story of a Greek myth or a Greek tragedy, which I think we can all kind of agree seems distant and kind of hard to relate to. Whenever you hear these kind of, kind of, well... Bryce is making faces at me. But, well, I mean, I'm thinking, well, yeah, that kind of describes this movie, too. Yeah. It,
1: <laughs> distant but, and hard to relate to. Right.
0: So that's, that's the interesting dichotomy that I'm setting up is it, this, it takes this distant and hard to relate to subject matter that's just like almost, you know, Aesop begat, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and turns it into something much more relatable, which is a present day drama but then keeps this, like, extremely cold, clinical, like, standoffish feel throughout the entire movie. So it's a bit of a mixture, is what I'm trying to say. It it makes it more relatable and also harder to comprehend or relate to. Uh, because it isn't a literal retelling of the story of Agamemnon, it becomes a unique story of its own. Killing of a Sacred Deer is, at its core, I would say, a psychological thriller. Is that do you think that's an accurate representation of it? Um
1: Yeah, it would be hard to classify this. This one. Why like, do you I, say that? Um, Cuz it wasn't there weren't thrills in it. it, it there wasn't like a, I th- I feel like adventure like thrillers have kind of an adventure element or it's like a chase or something and this was so much just Looking at something on a table, <laughs> it's like a museum piece.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was like a museum piece, and there wasn't like actual like yeah. It's, there hard, a...
1: it's hard to call it a, in the same way. It's a hard hard to call it a horror movie because I mean there were horror horror elements, but it's not like any other horror movie.
0: It felt um, it definite it definitely was um, familiar to a horror, horror movie in that. Um there was a kind of a tension and a dread throughout the whole thing that was that was pretty it it, it was it was an important part of the movie which was this just kind of weird eerie yeah kind of that that kind of just f- stayed with you through the whole thing the acting is delivered in a way that makes you feel uh mildly alarmed because it's so deadpan and void of real human expression And we're talking about, like, real actors here, you know, like A-list celebrities like Mm -hmm. Nicole Kidman. (laughs) Although Nicole hams it up a little bit. Like, she almost can't contain herself. (laughs) It's pretty clear that all these actors were given very explicit instructions to just be like, don't be human. Yeah, it's very stylized.
1: Yeah. It's like Wes Anderson, but, like, more bland.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's like this bleakness that pervades the whole script. Even the sets and the camera angles and the framing, they're all kind of set up to invoke like minimalism and clinical feelings. Um, There are lots of topics that are touched on that are meant to make the viewer at the very least intrigued and usually a little bit disturbed. Lots of strange strange sexual undertones pervade this movie, but never really make it totally to the surface with the exception of one or two spots the overall effect is kind of this oily residue that kind of coats your brain with the thought of that was awful and strange and i want to know more about that (laughs) i think the actors did a great job of doing what they were told (laughs) which is not a great job of acting necessarily but of being kind of puppets
1: yeah i mean this is definitely the director's movie this this doesn't have a lot of input or a ton of interpretation from the actors themselves.
0: Yeah, they're not allowed to do very much with it. The actors, the 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 movie centers around Dr. Stephen Murphy, who is played by Colin Farrell, who is a surgeon. His wife, Anna, who is Nicole Kidman and who owns a clinic. And their two children, Kim, who's played by Raffi Cassidy and Bob, <laughs> which I think is a hilarious name for a, a young child played by uh, Sonny Suljic. A key role is that of Martin, a teenage boy, whose father died in the hands of Stephen on the operating table. Uh, Young Martin has taken an interest in Dr. Murphy's profession, and Dr. Murphy obliges Martin by allowing him to do a kind of job shadowing thing. When it's convenient for uh, for the doctor, is it? Was that kind of what you got from it? Like why? Like why was Martin allowed to hang around uh, Doctor Murphy so so much? Was it with the intent of learning about being a surgeon?
1: I mean, that's the stated reason, but I think the actual reason is right. The plot of he, the movie, right? Because he needs to get
0: close to him. Interestingly, Martin's mother is played by Alicia Silverstone who has made a fabulous transition from being my teenage heartthrob to being my middle-aged heartthrob. So, bravo on that, Alicia. Uh, the Killing of a Sacred Deer was directed by Yorgos Lanthimos, who did The Lobster, who also directed The Lob- Lobster, I should say, which was another A24 distribution and starred also starred Colin Farrell. Uh, Lanthimos and a man named Ephthemist Filippo wrote The Killing of a Sacred Deer, and Ephthemist is... Shockingly Greek, so I don't know if, how how much that has to do with this being a Greek tragedy remade. But there you go. Yeah, I'm it. pretty sure your ghost is also Greek. It, it would not surprise me. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm giving this movie an eight out of ten.
1: Yeah, this is gonna be one that we disagree on because I that much. Oh yeah, I'd give it like a four. Whoa! Yeah, really a four? Yeah, I mean. After I watched it, I was like, I'm never going to watch this again because the whole reason of watching the movie is just basically the answer, the fundamental question of what's going on. And then you find out what's going on. And then the next question is, well, what's he going to do about it? And then you find out what he's what he does about it. And that's the end. That's literally like there's there's nothing else really going on <laughs> or nothing else that you can really draw from it because – you're not given any clues about the internal world of any of the characters or the emotions that they're
0: feeling. That's not. I mean, you're not wrong. You, de- you that's accurate. I had a. I had a
1: this real fun this time watching it. Yeah, I, I got I got kind of bored through some of it. I mean, it's entertaining in in the sense of it's quirky and a couple of the choices that. That uh, the director made, but if you're if you're gonna see one of his movies, I'd say see the Lobster. Like that's there's a lot more going on in that one in terms of metaphor and satire to, that- to work off of, and in, in terms of like commenting on uh, the social experience. Even though it's the same type of acting, it's like completely deadpan and completely matter of fact dialogue. But this one there's just There's not really a lot going on It would have made a really great short Like it, you could have done it in a short film Easy It you would have, have made a good short minutes.
0: Yeah it would have made a good short But I appreciate the I guess the art of this movie Which sounds like a, a stuck up thing to say But I really do The All the shots were beautiful uh, The casting was great Like the <laughs> There were some really disturbing scenes that, uh, that, I uh, that made me, you know, I, that perked, that piqued my, my interest in a lot of different ways. Like, I mean, you, you should, uh, you should, you should transition us into spoilers. Cause I'm going to get into, into some stuff now. So at this point, we're going to be talking about stuff that's going to give away the entire premise of the movie. So if you have any interest in watching this movie without, uh, you know, without the burden of knowing the end, uh, maybe maybe skip this part. Um, so the movie opens like this is this is what I'm kind of what I'm talking about when I'm saying I enjoyed the art of this movie. The movie opens with a heart, a real live human heart this is like trivia time this is a this is a shot of an actual human heart that mm-hmm. you can see with your eyes exposed to the open air in someone's chest on a surgery table and it's sitting there beating and that was pretty shocking to me and then immediately after i went oh that's a human heart with uh like the chest cracked open that you, you can't see any of the chest cracked open but you can see the skin pulled off of it you mm-hmm. know pulled all over the body and yeah,
1: the f- it's it's weird because I would expect there to be more blood, but it was very... You
0: just, you just took my thing. Like, that's my question. Where's all the fucking blood? This is a heart. <laughs> like, you just cut into a person uh, and then exposed their heart. And there was no fucking... Like, this was the prettiest looking heart. Like, it looked <laughs> like... If it hadn't been moving, it looked like it would have just been a... Just a model or a replica, you know? Like a... Like... The example that you pass around class, a plastic piece, kind of. Where was all the blood? This was an actual person's heart. I don't know. And I thought that was fucking cool. Like, mm-hmm. that was a pretty interesting thing to me. Like, it was. Like, yeah. And disturbing. It's just like a weird, like, uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Something's weird about seeing just a pulsating
0: organ. Yeah. And the whole movie kept that feel. Like, yeah. every part of this movie was like, why did they say that? Like, that was such an awkward thing to say. So you're saying the cold clinical, like, feel of the movie didn't, didn't work for you really at all?
1: I, I didn't see much of a... I mean, no. I, I, I mean, I could say I, there wasn't much of a reason for it, but it's, it's this director's style. It's just, it more has to do with nothing, there's not really a lot going on. It's just very, it's a very matter-of-fact movie. It's the setup and delivery. And I can't think of anything else that really happened significant in the movie. And maybe maybe other stuff did happen, but the fact that it's so cold and clinical, it's like, it doesn't matter. It has no weight to it. Yeah. So it doesn't make me feel anything. Like, there's stuff going on in terms of, like, the Martin trying to get the doctor to have sex with his mom yeah which is weird yeah and there's like stuff of the neediness of martin and and kind of there's probably a little bit of relationship stuff in in the doctor's family between him and um his wife but it's so, <laughs> it's so cold that it's like, I don't care about any of this stuff. See, it's, but it's, that's, that's the drawback of it.
0: And simultaneously, that's w- specifically why it works for me is because, to, is because that like standoffish cold clinical acting where it, it's not really acting and it's just l- delivering lines. It, it, it like winds me up. Like it builds tension because I'm like, at some point, somebody's going to fucking explode.
1: Well, I think when it works is if there's a lot of like satire or kind of um absurd stuff going on the the plot of the movie is absurd like the the entire premise of it is absurd, so that's why you know this director used it and does this this stuff but I mean I think of of Wes Anderson movies and you know even this director's other movies. And there's just a lot more going on, a lot more stuff to react to as the viewer of saying like, oh my gosh, that's <laughs> – it's ridiculous what just happened just yeah. in terms of the the world of the movie and how – and the characters and stuff. But this – yeah, I mean, if you think about, like, um, this The can, Life Aquatic, yeah, this can, there's a lot of different characters in there. There's a lot of, like, different types of moments and people coming in and, and coming out of the movie and, and, uh, and situations that happen in it to where that cold clinical delivery of, of lines and of the world isn't, it, isn't distracting because there's lots of stuff going on. And so you can kind of take it in completely neutral
0: what you're talking about is charm. There's, there is with Wes Anderson movies and probably I imagine with the lobster, there's a lot of charming shit that goes on that you can kind of, you can kind of go, Oh, that's nice. Oh, that's nice. With this, this movie has zero charm. It has no, it has nothing to hang your hat on to, to make you feel attached or happy about all it gives you in what it replaces with what it replaces charm for is strange sexual tension.
1: I mean, I mean, charm. Yeah. Maybe, especially with Wes Anderson, like he's a lot of his visuals are kind of cutesy and like the miniatures and stuff. Yeah. But, but even then it's, the characters are rough <laughs> and there's a lot of just weird stuff going on with, with, uh, Yorgos Lanthrum Lanthrum, lanthimos's other movies the lobster in particular um i wouldn't call them charming it's just there's a lot of stuff going on a lot of like plot happening and a lot of different characters to where you're you're able to react to just the world itself so like in some sci-fi movies where there's a lot of world building it's sometimes overwhelming because you're trying to Relate to the character themselves as well as try to process the entire new world and like the rules, and it's like we started watching um, the Expanse. Did you ever watch that? Mm-mm. It's a sci-fi show. And yeah, my buddy, just, my buddy likes that show a lot. I couldn't get through the first episode because it was just there's too much to process Mm. and I was just got bored and I'm but with shows like that if you stick around long enough big payoff it's a big payoff same with like Lord of the Rings and stuff yeah um but or Game of Thrones but with with these movies your strips out all of the actual like interpreting of emotions and and like uh character development in terms of acting and it just is all laid out plainly in the dialogue for you, and then all you have
0: to react to is the absurdity of the world that they're in. And the thing that works about that for me is the story in this is extremely compelling. Like the base of the basis of the story is is so compelling and so uh, like it's so easy for me to put myself in the shoes of uh, Doctor Murphy, <laughs> where you're forced to make this choice between family members. That, <laughs> you know who who do you? Uh, hey, uh, one, yeah. So we talked about what the
1: actual premise is. Yet? No, we
0: haven't gone over that yet. The the uh, the actual premise of this movie is let's see here. It, it centers around Martin, obviously, and uh, who is the the young boy, uh, and his father died on under under the care of Doctor Murphy. Colin Colin Farrell, while he was in surgery. And so Martin has made attempts to get closer and closer to the Murphy family. Uh, It it is hinted at to to, essentially place a curse on them, right? And the curse goes something like this. About halfway through the the movie, (laughs) Martin basically uh, sets the plague on Dr. Murphy's family, and he says... You killed a member of my family. Now you got to kill a member of your family to balance things out. I can't tell you who to kill. That's for you to decide. But if you don't, they will all get sick and die. The, the curse goes a little something like this. Paralysis of the limbs comes first, so they won't be able to walk. And then they will refuse food until the point of starvation. And then they will bleed from the eyes. Once they start bleeding from the eyes, death is hours away. And then, death. So, that's kind of how this whole thing goes, and it will continue that way until all three other members of your family are dead. Your wife, your son, and your daughter will all die unless you kill one of them. And that'll even things out, but that'll even out our blood debt between you and me. And so that's the basic premise of this movie. And it's that to me is extremely compelling in and of itself enough that sitting through it is kind of torturous, you know? I mean, it's the, I mean, I knew what
1: the plot was going into it. I'm pretty, pretty sure it, maybe it doesn't lay it out in the trailer, but all of the chatter was about that, Mm. that it's just, yeah, he's, he's given a choice. Either you kill one of your family members personally or all of them die because of the supernatural curse or whatever that I'm putting on you. And uh, it's really, really interesting. It's an interesting premise and just the drama's all packed up tightly in that idea. Uh, but yeah, like I said, it's that's pretty much all that goes on for the whole movie. Is Well, first of all, it starts out and it doesn't tell you that it's just this weird kid and that you can, you get the real sense that he's got some kind of power over Dr. Murphy and he's hanging, he's hanging around and Dr. Murphy is kind of handling him with kid gloves and trying to appease him in some way and make himself available and, and, uh, much more than like a mentor relationship or, um, or something. It's very obvious that Martin has something over Dr. Murphy's head. Yeah, And then it takes until, basically the middle of the movie before um any one of his kids starts getting sick and uh poor bob you know it's all the understanding is gone unsaid until the moment when dr martin's talking with dr no, murphy dr murphy's talking with martin yeah. and martin just lays it out so, yeah. okay this is what's going to happen
0: yeah here's what's up yeah well i mean like i went into this not knowing anything the way I, I tend yeah. to do with with uh, most movies, and so for me, like it was very effective, and uh, and yeah, it was clear that there was some like I, like at first I thought was is is Martin Doctor Murphy's son like a strange son that no one can know about because he's like showing up and it's clear that he like expects his attention, mm-hmm. he expects the doctor's attention, but why and why is it so quiet and secret? And it's because he accidentally killed his father on the operating room table. And that's compelling. And then, and then, <laughs> this kid, like, shadows him. Like, he's like, like... Well, the, he catch, stalks him. Yeah. I mean, he's,
1: he's definitely stalking him and his family.
0: Yeah, you catch... But it's not in, like, an overt way. It's it's in an hinted at way. It's like a person passes in front, in, in front of the camera as Dr. Murphy's walking to his car in the car garage of the hospital. Right. And it's like, who is that? But... I mean it's, it's 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 I mean it's very heavily hinted at that this is this is a looming ominous person. It it just worked for me I guess where it where uh, it might not have worked as much for you or it was just too much of a one trick pony.
1: Yeah, I mean it was just there wasn't it didn't have any twists and turns. It's just so plainly laid out and it's exactly what you would expect would happen pretty much not not really much surprise the only the only real twist is that he he attempts to kill martin um uh, dr murphy attempts to kill martin and then martin just says like hey what's going to happen is if i die all of your family is going to die instantly yeah and it's like oh, okay well there's the rub you know
0: yeah and and the uh the other part of it is there's a lot of symbolism. It's clear that this movie, there's, I mean, there's a lot of weird shit that's talked about. So, like, <laughs> I had so many notes on this movie because I was like, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? Why are they talking about his daughter's menstruation? Like, there's a part in this movie where the doctor sits down with his family and his coworker at, like, a ball? At, like, a... Uh, doctor's ball or something like that. And so they're all dressed up to the nines. And he says to his his, uh, anesthesiologist who he works very closely with, my daughter got her first menses this week. And his co-worker's like, good deal. Like, great. Good for you and her. And then they just brush by it. And I'm sitting there going, what the fuck? Like, (laughs) who... (laughs) <laughs> Who talks about this? And then, and then there was another point at the at the start of the movie was similarly. He was talking to the anesthesiologist, and he's like, and the anesthesiologist, is like, hey, that's a nice watch you got. Is it water resistant? It's like, yeah, hundred meters. That's a nice watch you got. Is that water resistant? Yep, two hundred meters.
1: Yeah, it was a very like American psycho type right interchange of like hot card business card talk right hot. <laughs> you know sports watch talk
0: <laughs> but and so the and so I've been thinking about like more than anything I've been thinking about the the water depth resistance <laughs> like this this whole time being like what the fuck was that so, because everything in this movie is clearly meant to symbolize something and so uh, because so the sto- going back to the story of Agamemnon so Agamemnon had to sacrifice this deer to appease the gods because he was planning to go to war with Troy like mm-hmm. he was bringing he, he was going to do the Trojan horse, you know, at Troy, at the gates of Troy. But he had to cross the sea first. And Iphigenia or, uh, or the gods made the wind stop blowing so he couldn't get his ships across the ocean. So he had to do this in order to get that wind blowing so he could head across the sea. So I'm thinking maybe the water depth of the ocean was like 100 meters in some spots and 200 meters in others
1: uh, or uh, i don't know I, I no i think it's like you're looking too deep I, that's I think what just, that's my
0: favorite part about movies that's that is is all the, the the things that it could mean
1: right yeah yeah my my <laughs> the analysis of this movie that i that Aaron asked me not to share <laughs> oh good <laughs> cuz it would maybe offend people but this is actually like a pretty accurate de- depiction to me is this movie depicts to the viewer what it's like to be on the autistic spectrum. Just you everything is stated, and you can't understand people's motivations unless they say it or unless there's an action that takes place because there's just nothing to work off of. and it's like the interchange about the watches and about you know menses and stuff just feels very like we just talk about this because it's a thing and there's no, there's, there's no social cues of why are you delving so deep into something that doesn't matter or delving deep into or bringing up stuff that's not really socially acceptable to talk about? It's because you just, you don't understand social cues, you know? Well, (laughs) I mean,
0: yes, while all that is true, I think, I think that there, I mean this is based off of a Greek tragedy. There is a lot of symbolism here. And and I mean if you were to interpret it literally, yeah, this is a this is a great example of what it may be to be a little bit on the spectrum there.
1: Yeah, I mean I think like there is it's hard to tell what the characters are feeling about the situation at all. And then at one point Dr. Murphy breaks up in tears and it was so weird because I'm like oh, I I guess he cares about it, but it just has no weight behind it because there's no lead-up to it, and then it's just, okay, all right, I don't know how to feel about that. I don't know. It's just weird to... The experience of watching the movie was so cold that it was just not engaging for me.
0: See, that's telling right there. Because I related to it very heavily. (laughs) I was like... Every part of this works for me pretty good. Like it it all it all it, it scratched a lot of different inches for me because I like I wanted to know more. Like I dove deep into this Greek mythology thing so deep that on my blog write up I I link a decent amount to the story of Agamemnon and Iphigenia and uh and you guys should check it out because it's uh w- after you watch this movie it all becomes a lot more interesting. Because you can kind of link things up to, oh, this might have meant this, or maybe them and they meant that. But it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's mm. it's obviously different things to different people because yeah. Bryce and I are on two totally opposite ends of the spectrum here. I mean, I like movie. <laughs> no, you see, that's no. the
1: thing. It's like <laughs> I like movies like this. Just this one didn't work for me just because there just wasn't enough. There was there was enough going on. I don't know.
0: Will this movie stick with you a long time? Not really. No. See, like it made a big impact on me because because I re- I related to it. I was like I was like what if like what if someone came along and and made me choose it, someone in my family. I always I always heavily like I as soon as you lay down an interesting premise like a compelling premise in a movie. I, I latch on and then I, and then I instantly relate. I just go, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's bear it out to the end and see where, where, where my mind goes. With see,
1: it. that's the thing. Like I, I, it's a missed opportunity. Cause I would be like that if they delved a little deeper into the effects of it and what it would look like in real life. But as it was directed and as the movie was, it was, no more in depth than a thought experiment. It's like just an ethics experiment of like, okay, you're you're a, um psychology or your uh what's it called? Philosophy professor says, okay, you're put in a position where there's a speeding train and yeah. it's out of control, doesn't have brakes, and you're at the switch. One will save the train full of people, but it will kill someone that you love. And then the other way will kill all the people on the train, but save the person you love. And that's literally just the setup of this movie. And I mean, the same the same feelings. It's just it's all up in my head of like, yeah, that would be an interesting dilemma. But I don't like I don't internalize it because I'm like, oh, what would I like? I don't go that deep and just be like. Yeah, it would suck. I'd probably just have to kill the person that I love to save those people, you know? uh, Who would you choose? Who would I choose? To kill. (laughs) To kill? Yeah. No, it'd have to be chosen for me. I wouldn't do it. Oh, Oh, you'd let them all die? No, I mean, if I... Oh, if that was, like, the thought experiment? Yeah. Kill someone that you love? Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably choose my dad. He's getting old. It's like... It's, yeah, he's, not he's part lived of a full life. It's not part of us.
0: Yeah. No, this is your this is your your immediate nuclear family within this oh, house. Oh, my
1: immediately nuclear family? Yeah.
0: Um You don't have to answer that. But we can <laughs> we can wink at each other. <laughs> right.
1: Oh, okay. That's oh wow. <laughs> I'm making no indication.
0: <laughs> he blinked a lot. But yeah,
1: I mean that's that's the deal. It's like that's Th- this movie presents a thought experiment, and then it doesn't make you go through it any more than just say, "Like, well, this is a hard choice to make,
0: but you gotta make it." Yeah, and the and the way that Doctor Martin or Doctor Mur- Murphy uh, decided to choose was by not choosing, kind of in a strange way. Yeah. Was... Well, I
1: mean, that's the that was probably the most interesting part of the movie is his process of like okay it, yeah i gotta confront this and then he starts like interviewing the school counselor yeah he's like, like how good are my kids yeah.
0: which one would you say is better <laughs> which one shows like would you say the most promise <laughs> and and even the principal's like i don't know how to answer that yeah. exactly because you yeah. know they're yeah, he just says I. I couldn't tell you that. It's like,
1: ah, damn it! Yeah. Like he doesn't get any any help in terms of how to choose.
0: And then they all start like, then then it becomes like a competition in the family. It's just the fucking most disturbing competition I've ever seen. Which is, <laughs> which is, who loves daddy more? And so, <laughs> and so, and, and like the little girl and the little boy will be like, so they're both paralyzed in a bed th- uh-huh. in the same room, and at one point. The the Kim, uh, the little girl, says to Bob, she's like, you know, he's just going to have to make a choice here shortly, and he just doesn't have that much time into you, you know? So, I mean, it's going to suck when you go. And, I mean, you got this whole thing first, so if he doesn't choose anyone, you're going to be the first to go. So, in closing, in summation, can I have your MP3 player (laughs) when you die? Please please can I have your mp3 player when you die bob bob answer me can I have your mp3 player when you die and then bob's like fucked up he's like oh god oh god dad so he's like try so he drags his little paralyzed ass out of bed and tries to do the dishes (laughs) or something like he's like dad I I gotta put away my toys and his dad's like no man you gotta sit down in bed And he's like I really I just gotta I gotta do this because I gotta be a good person (laughs) yeah
1: Trying to curry his favor, yeah. That's that. That was the most interesting part of the, about about the movie. Yeah, It's just the dynamics of of what the characters do in relation to realizing their position. But that comes pretty late. There's not. That's like towards the end of the movie. Yeah, it's when the it's the happens. last third. Yeah, let's let's delve into this, and this will give my cards away, or maybe, but. If you were put in this position, who would you choose?
0: I just asked you that question. I know. i uh, yeah. I'm. I'm not. I'm not answering. That's ridiculous. Because, because, quite frankly, I mean, until you're put into that scenario, you, you, you can't really. Uh, even when you're in that scenario, you can't really give an an honest scenario, uh, honest answer. I don't believe. Because I mean, to me, it'd be. I
1: mean, it's got to be the wife, right?
0: Well, that's. So, but I have a I, I have an interesting scenario because my wife's pregnant right now.
1: Like, well, yeah, that doesn't. I mean, if you're in this position, if your your choice was Nicole Kidman or these two kids, man. if you were the character, who would you choose? And to me, it's obvious. Like, well, yeah, it's it's Nicole Kidman, right? It's I mean, the wife. I think
0: so, but but on the other side of that, like. I'm not sure. Like, if I had to kill any of them, I think I would I think I'd end up killing myself as well. I think I'd probably kill myself if I had to kill one of my family members. And so if I killed my wife, and then myself, there'd be no one left to if they were little kids like this, there'd be no one left to make sure the kids were okay, whatever remained of them. You know, so this is like the fucking worst scenario I can imagine. This that's what makes thing. it so compelling.
1: That's the other thing. If you were put in this position, wouldn't you just
0: have a family council and decide together?
1: <laughs> this would be
0: like, oh man, but then y'all got to live with that. Everybody, and that's the thing is you're either way, you're damning your family like 100%.
1: No, in that circumstance, everyone would be on board though.
0: Yeah, it would suck for that minute, but then, but then. Then they'd all become addicts, or they'd kill themselves. Like, th- like no one's getting out of this really alive. Like, this is this scenario is going to end poorly, no matter what happens.
1: Well, yeah, it's it's a terrible situation. But what? Where's the the biggest downside? And what's where's the biggest upside? Well, upside there's no upside. But right, I'm I mean, trying to just mitigate. in terms of just looking at like the kids have a full life to live. It's true. The adults have lived a longer life. The kids aren't babies. They don't need parents anymore. Really?
0: Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at it as a cost benefit analysis, yeah. like purely, and that's kind of what you'd need to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The kids should probably live on the other hand. I'm it. It would. Oh man. I, like I, if I killed my wife, I, I'd, I'd kill myself. Like I, I imagine that's, well, no, you wouldn't, because you'd have
1: your daughter to take care of. You wouldn't be able to.
0: Yeah, it's really, it's a it's a, it's a super brutal concept that I'm impressed that we... It's we've... a self-chosen
1: tragedy in right. your family. Right. Which would, would add to it, but, I mean, people have tragedies in their family. People, parents die, and the other parent moves on. Yeah. And, so, yeah, that... <laughs> Yeah. It would be very it's a very hard decision. I mean it's it's also I mean there isn't the other movie that I haven't seen is Sophie's Choice, which presents I think it's Meryl Streep and it's in during the Holocaust or something, and she has to choose between her kids which one yeah. survives. Yeah. So it's That's right. The the choi- the the dilemma is not unique to this
0: movie. No, I think yeah. I mean it's a Greek myth. Yeah, I mean it's it's super compelling. You know the other thing this movie has is the most disturbing scene involving spaghetti that I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> now,
1: yeah, there's there's a couple there's a couple moments where this type of direction really works, and that was one of them.
0: Yeah, where Martin is sitting down with Nicole Kidman to like to like tell her about what was he te- he's telling her about how he ate spaghetti just like, he thought he ate spaghetti just like his dad. Yeah. And he's got this big fucking plate of spaghetti and he's just, it's almost like he's building up a sweat. Yeah. Like he's building up a sheen <laughs> while eating this spaghetti. He's like, I just, I always just thought I ate spaghetti like my dad.
1: Well, he's, at, he's just like, yeah, I, you know, I was trying to find things that, well, I don't know if he said that, but he's like, I learned that I eat spaghetti just like my dad. I put my fork in it. In the in the spaghetti, and then I twirl it around on the plate, and then I pick it up and eat it like this. <laughs> <laughs> it just puts like in a, half a plateful in his mouth, and then he just. And goes, she's
0: like, uh, she's doing what any normal person would do watching this, being like, "What the what the hell is going on?"
1: And then he just goes. And then I learned that that that's how everyone eats spaghetti. <laughs> 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 that was a. <laughs> that was a great moment (laughs) yeah yeah i mean there's there's a couple good moments in in this i'm not gonna say it's a it's a bad movie but in terms of like recommendations it's not it's definitely a movie that you can skip it's not a must see for
0: me i see yeah and i mean that's him i mean if you're anything like me you gotta see it yeah but i'll tell you what two stone cold foxes in this movie alicia silverstone who is regretfully not in it very much, but she goes to some extreme lengths to try to seduce uh, Dr. Murphy, including sucking on all his fingers. And (laughs) and, and he reacts to it as someone who is on the spectrum might. Um, And, uh, and Nicole Kidman multiple times in this movie. So it's revealed that Dr. Murphy can't like, like his kink is (laughs) prepare yourself. He likes it when people have been placed under general anesthesia, a.k.a. knocked out completely. He doesn't act on this in the movie on a patient, but obviously that's where he got the kink. And Nicole Kidman is happy to oblige and just, when it's time to uh, time to make happy at night, she just lays down on the bed and goes limp.
1: Yeah, that's that's a major takeaway from this movie, is that Nicole Kidman has still got a banging body. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. She's very pretty.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you get to see her in, uh, in underwear. So that's... Yeah.
1: And topless from a distance. Oh. I mean, if we're going to go whole uh, Mr. Skin on this.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're not. <laughs> oh, I guess we did. Um... Oh, yeah, there was another weird, like, there's just one last, like, super disturbing thing in this story that I think everyone, <laughs> that I think everyone will forget, because you haven't mentioned it, but there's this part where Colin Farrell, uh, Dr. Murphy, is trying, he's like, he's like, had it with Bob, like, Bob is in the hospital and he just won't walk. And Colin Farrell doesn't want to believe that this curse is real. And so he like gets he like picks Bob up and like starts dangling around like a like a marionette. Yeah. And and Bob's just like, you know, he's getting tossed around and he feels bad. And and Colin Farrell's like, Look, kid, like let's play, let's play secrets. Like you wanna like I'm gonna share a secret with you, and you share a secret a secret with me. And the secret that you're gonna share with me is that you can really walk. Okay, but here's my secret to you. When I was a little kid, I walked up on my dad, who was asleep in bed, and I touched his wiener until he, till he came. Okay, you go. <laughs> and I was like, "What the fuck? <laughs> what? what? What's happening?" There was a, there was a lot of moments like that that were just like, "What the fuck is going on? <laughs> what are they talking about?" Yeah, and uh, a lot of fixation on like male body hair.
1: Yeah, just a lot of weirdness. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, was great. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, then the end, he makes a choice, and I'm not going to tell you how. So you're going to have to watch the movie now. You already told him that he doesn't make a choice. He, can, he, I mean, well, yeah, no, he, he, he makes a choice to not make a choice. Right. Right. Even when you choose, that's a choice. Even when you choose not to choose, that's a choice, Bryce. So final recommendations, uh, who do you think would like this movie?
1: If you like quirky movies, if you really like Wes Anderson and just can't get enough of that type of movie. If you've liked uh, this director's other movies, um, if you like Dogtooth or or The Lobster, if you really like them, you should see this one. If it was just like, okay, then
0: you can, you can skip this one. If you like American Psycho, you'll like this movie, I'd say. It has a it has a similar vibe, yeah, yeah. And uh, like like I said, for me it's an eight out of ten. For Bryce, it's a four. Yeah, so big big split on that. So with that, uh, we're going to transition into taglines. Here's taglines. <laughs> <laughs> ah. So interesting thing about this movie is it was given no taglines at the box. So these, these taglines that we're coming up with are the only, to my knowledge, <laughs> the only taglines that exist for the movie. Mm-hmm. So you're welcome, uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer. How many you got? I got three. Okay, I got four. Killing of a Sacred Deer.
1: It's not a sacrifice if you're already dead inside.
0: <laughs> the Killing of a Sacred Deer. The best segue ever to get your parents to pick a favorite.
1: Killing of a Sacred Deer. A movie on the spectrum.
0: Oh, yeah. that is poor taste. What? <laughs> Uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer How much hair do you have down there? <laughs> like I said, there's a lot of fucking weird talk about Like, yeah. Do you have any pubes yet? Let me see under your arm I've
1: heard tell that you have Three times as much arm hair as I have
0: Let's see it Show me your armpit hair Yeah, that's a lot, but I wouldn't say three times <laughs> That's actually in the movie Yep Killing of a Sacred Deer
1: Sophie's Choice, Without the Human Emotion. <laughs> uh,
0: the Killing of a Sacred Deer. What about Bob too? The Untimely End of Bob. <laughs> you know, you remember that movie with Richard Dreyfus and, and, uh, and, uh who was his name? Bill uh, Murray? Yeah, Bill Murray.
1: Thank you. Killing of a Sacred Deer. Do you understand? It's metaphorical. My example, it's a metaphor. I mean, it's a it's symbolic. That's
0: I don't a, get it at that's, all.
1: That's a quote from the movie. That's something oh. that Martin says to. It's metaphorical. Yeah. <laughs> it's metaphorical.
0: Yeah, Martin was the king of saying weird shit. Like he showed up at at uh, Nicole Kidman's front door with a bouquet of roses, and he's like, he's like, I, I know, I know that. Um, orchids are your favorite flower, but I couldn't find a bouquet of orchids. And I was like, those don't f- fucking exist at all. <laughs> like, you can't, you couldn't find those because those don't exist. Orchids are live all the time. Do you have, uh, do you have more?
1: Nope, that was it. That was it.
0: Okay. And with that, we're going to be moving into a, another bit called their clips. Clips. It worked out really well. Yeah, it worked yeah, out. I like that. So this is a this is a game where I've prepared uh, five audio clips uh, for from horror movies for Bryce, uh, and he has to guess the movie and the scene that it came from. So there's two points available for each clip. Uh, so play along and let us know how you did on our blog, po- on our blog post at horrormovietalk.com. So, clip one. Clip one. Wouldst thou like to see the world? No. yeah. What will you from me? Dost thou see a book before thee?
1: Well, that one's easy. That's the witch, and that's the last scene after uh, all her family's dead and the devil is talking to her through...
0: Black Phillip You gotta give the audience a little bit of time Like a skosh Too bad Okay, fair enough Two points for that one, that's accurate That came from The Witch at the very end Hey, wanna play hide and clap? You want to play hide and clap? Hide and clap. <clears throat> this is from you need some help? A little bit of help.
1: Uh, yeah, give me a clue.
0: This is from a jump scare laden movie.
1: <sighs> if is it in the Conjuring universe? It feels very Conjuring. Yeah. Let's say *Conjuring* two, because I haven't seen that one, and it's the scene where a girl says, "We want to play hide and clap."
0: <laughs> well, that second, the second one is it. Uh, uh, that wouldn't get you a point anyway. But, but uh, no, it's this is from *The Conjuring*, the first one. Oh, is it? Yes, and this is the one where th- this is the part where the mother is hearing claps throughout the house at night. And so she's walking around, she's walking around, and then she hears, and then a door opens, and it's the door to the cellar, of course, mm-hmm. and uh, she heads in there, and the door slams behind her, and she falls down into the cellar, and a little ball comes out, and then she's light. So the scene the scene that you actually watched, she's light, or listened to, I should say, she's lighting a match, and then it gets blown out, and then she lights it again, and this these pair of hands come right out next to her face, and clack clack.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, that was in the trailer too. All right. Clip three. Clip three.
0: You guys, uh. Going camping? <laughs>
1: hey. Hey. Now, look, we don't want any trouble, all right?
0: So just. help well, back. Oh, off. okay. Oh, oh, okay, back okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry.
1: I've seen this movie I'm trying to remember Guys
0: one. Going camping <laughs> He's having such a good time
1: <laughs> Oh god What is it
0: You guys uh Going camping <laughs> <laughs> Hey
1: Hey Now look We don't want any trouble Alright So just well, back. Oh, okay,
0: oh Oh Okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry.
1: Is that Tucker and Dale versus Evil? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that must be that must be early on in the movie, like when yeah you, they're on the boat or something like that. It's before anything happens. Yes,
0: yeah, yeah. I'll give I'll give that both both those points too. Yeah, it's it's when they're at the gas station and he walks up. That swinging, that like sheathing sound of metal is the, he. The scythe or whatever. Right, he <laughs> yeah. has that scythe, and he's walking up to these hot girls, and he's like, "I don't have a chance with these girls." And and uh, and Tucker's like, or Tucker's like, go on, just talk to him. You just got to talk to him." And <laughs> <laughs> so he walks up with this scythe, and he's like, "You guys going camping? <laughs> just act natural." <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's such a great movie. That is a great movie. If you guys have, if you guys are in the mood for like a horror, like comedy, like a primarily just a comedy. Yeah. Watch. Don't
1: see it. Don't look up anything about it. Just go watch it. It's
0: a great movie. Track four, Track four.
1: Okay, I just watched this movie. So it's, I know. it's Hellraiser. Yeah, and it's like towards the very end. If it's not just the very end, yeah, yeah, yep,
0: yeah. This is the part where the uh, Cenobites come out, and oh, that's
1: right, they like tear him apart. Yeah, like they're
0: that. all standing around him, and all the fish hooks on chains come out, and they're mm-hmm. all like, he's uh, he's all bound up by mm-hmm. his entire body is is covered in. Chains that are pulling his skin apart, and he says, Jesus wept.
1: Out of all the 80s horror movies that I've watched, yeah. the special effects on this, like, that very 80s type of of special effects where everything's gooey. Yeah. And just bloody and, like, oh. like, all all those sounds and those special effects, this was the most effective. Like, I was so disturbed by this. I could not... There's something about it that I couldn't just go like, oh, yeah, that's latex. Like, that's just blood and stuff. Something about Hellraiser just went so far above and beyond the
0: realism of this grossness. Yeah, Clive Barker's, all his movies have that kind of like, it's a gross, it's a gross feeling that comes with it, that comes with it. That's just like, I don't, I don't, I wish I didn't see that kind of, almost. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I knew you had watched that movie recently. See the trick with these things is they need to be well known enough. These clips are kinda of hard to grab. Yeah. Because they need to be well known enough that people in the audience have stand a chance and that you stand a chance. And those are two you know, they so it has to be kind of a well known thing. Yeah. I don't know. Here's clip five. Man, game over, man. It's game over. Do it again. Game over. Man, game over, man. It's game over.
1: Yeah, this is aliens. Uh huh. Bill Paxton. Gosh, what ha- what ha- what just happened to to where it was game over? I don't know. I mean, it's what did happen that that he reacted to that? A bunch of people died. <laughs> yeah, and like, yeah. A bunch did of people their, died. Did their truck break or something like that? Yeah, like they the lost.
0: Truck? They, I believe they lost their um, atmospheric transporter. So yeah. they, they lost the ship. Right. I'll give you half a point on that yeah. one. So Bryce got five, six, seven and a half points. Damn. That's that's pretty good. How'd you guys do? Let us know at HorrorMovieTalk.com on the uh, post for this episode. All right guys, so with that that concludes our episode of Horror Movie Talk. Thank you for uh, thank you for listening and as always, you know, check us out on our website horrormovietalk.com. Hit us up on social media. Take our audience survey which is on horrormovietalk.com uh, if you want to help us out. And uh, you know, as always, share our episodes if you can. We really appreciate it. It's it's one of the only ways that we can uh, grow our audience, and uh, and we are growing. So we really appreciate it. And uh, you guys have a great rest of your day or night.